More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to episode 105 of Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly, your host, and as always, thank you so much for joining me. Want to say a special hello to the patrons of the podcast. Thank you so much for your support. And if you're not yet a patron of Survivor Sanctuary, it's very easy to become one. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary, and you can sign up there. There are different tiers and levels of support. They start at $5, and you get some extras for being a patron of the podcast, things like being able to listen to the podcast 24 hours before anybody else, getting extra podcasts. We have some Zoom get-togethers and different resources and things that you can get just for being a patron of the podcast. And at the same time, as you are getting those special freebies and extras and getting kind of the inside VIP track of Survivor Sanctuary, you're also helping to support this podcast and the costs involved in creating it. So if you haven't checked it out, there's a link in the show notes. It's patreon.com slash Survivor Sanctuary. And you can check out the different tiers and what you get for each level of giving. And you can sign up right there, patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary. You can also check out SurvivorSanctuary.com, our website, and that's where you can send me messages. You can also, if you're a patron, send messages directly to me through Patreon, which is pretty cool. We can communicate that way. But if you're not a patron of the podcast, you can visit the contact form at SurvivorSanctuary.com and send a message to me that way as well. So I don't want to forget to mention the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page. Just search for Survivor Sanctuary podcast and request to join there. Have some new members on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page this week and definitely want to welcome everybody. We love to be able to support each other and interact. It's kind of a lonely space that you can find yourself in sometimes as a survivor, which was one of the reasons that I wanted to start a podcast in the first place. Because when I first began to kind of delve in to sexual abuse and kind of just admitting that it had happened to me and that it had affected me and finally starting to get some therapy and to start healing, I really felt a sense of loneliness a lot of the time because there just wasn't a lot out there. Now, fortunately, and I I don't want to say it's not fortunate that Me Too happened. It's not fortunate that people need to keep speaking out so much about sexual abuse because so much of it is out there. But it is kind of the way that the timing of when I began my healing process like kind of happened. It was right before Me Too sort of became a thing and kind of took off. So that created a lot more out there for people to be able to use as resources. And, you know, a lot of groups were kind of formed and different areas of support for survivors that were kind of birthed out of the Me Too and the Church Too movement. So I think that that's pretty great. But we just like having a space where people can come together and support each other. And you can learn more about sexual abuse and how to recover. If that's what you want to do, you can just tell your story if that's what you want to do, or you can just sit back in the background and kind of observe. That's what I find myself doing a lot. Um, People used to make fun of me all the time for always sitting in the back row in church. And it wasn't because I was like scared of getting too close to Jesus. I just didn't like for anything to be happening behind my back. I wanted to observe everything in front of me. And a guy I used to go to church with, a really nice man, but he had been in the military. He had served in several wars. And he was like, you know, that's when I told him that I 
didn't like to have anything at my back. Same thing in movie theaters. I like to have everything in front of me sit in the back row. And he's like, that's a PTSD response. He said, that's very common with soldiers too. And I thought, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe, maybe that is why I don't like having anything happening behind my back. Like I want to keep my eye on everything, but for whatever reason, um, I'm more of an observer. So I get it. If you go onto the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page and you never say anything, it's okay. You can watch other people interact. You can learn from the things that other people post and you can kind of follow along with the podcast there. So a little bit of an introduction today, but I wanted to make sure that I lay out all those ways that you can get involved with Survivor Sanctuary uh, because we definitely can't do this podcast without you. And that this is really what it's all about. I say it often, but I'll say it again. There's no reason to turn on this mic if it weren't for the people listening and the people who want to hear voices speaking out about sexual abuse. So about a year ago, it's maybe 11 months ago, I did a podcast episode where I kind of talked about John MacArthur and Grace Community Church and Grace to You is his radio program. Um, we talked about the situation that happened in John MacArthur's church around 20 years ago. And so I'm not going to rehash that story today, but uh, John MacArthur is back in the news. And of course, he's not typically in the news for things that he is coming out and saying. He's typically in the news for things that happened at his church and situations that were allegedly, got to put that word in there quite a bit, allegedly mishandled. And then it seems like there are a lot of crickets from John MacArthur and GCC, and they don't really say much of anything. Now, we have some listeners to this podcast who are incredible historians. Andy W., I'm looking at you. (laughs) You are really a great historian when it comes to these stories, I guess I should say. Um, and Andy has actually put together and compiled like he's got receipts. We'll put it that way. He's compiled like Google Docs and he has files of if you want to get caught up on what's been going on with John MacArthur and GCC and the kind of dozens of years of allegedly mishandling cases of sexual abuse and and not just sexual abuse, but it's actually domestic violence and abuse as well. Um, Kind of all intermingled there. But Andy has some incredible resources. And so if you want to get caught up on what's happened at Grace Community Church, what's happened with John MacArthur, what is it that everybody's talking about? It's not, I'm not going to rehash the entire thing here on this episode today. One, because about a year ago, we did an episode talking about um, John MacArthur and the whole Eileen Gray situation. Just as a quick recap, Eileen Gray was a woman who was trying to get away from her husband because he was physically assaulting her children. Uh, I don't think I have to say allegedly there because he has actually gone to prison for some of the abuse that he was committing against his children, but he was becoming violent. He was not a safe person. And Eileen was trying to leave and she filed a restraining order against him. And because she refused to, to get back together with her husband and to let him back into the house with the children that he was, I'm pretty sure that like he was strangling them at one point um, because she wouldn't get back together with him. The leaders of Grace Community Church excommunicated her. And John MacArthur like did it himself during communion on a, I think a Sunday night service is how they do it during communion. Like that's when we excommunicate people apparently. And Eileen Gray was literally like publicly shamed and excommunicated for not taking her husband back and come to find out several years later, he was actually arrested and is serving a prison sentence for sexually abusing his children, among other things. So um, not only did Grace Community Church support this man before he was convicted, they continued to support him after he was convicted, asking people to donate materials so he could leave by, um, lead Bible studies in prison, etc., etc. And I think that the most grievous part of this to me like, yes, mistakes were made. And I think I think that can kind of almost sound like it's downplaying the situation a little bit when you say mistakes were made. But I think that we can all say, like, okay, there's a possibility that a church made a mistake. There's a possibility that John MacArthur made a mistake. I think the most grievous part of this entire situation 
I, I hate to say this is more grievous than children being hurt because that's, of course, the worst part of it all. But the thing that's like the cherry on top of the horrificness of all of this is that John MacArthur has never apologized. He has not apologized to Eileen Gray privately. He has not apologized or repented publicly of what they did to her. They instead just double down on their decisions to mistreat people who have been abused and to mistreat people who have been sexually abused and to continue rallying around abusers, whether it's spousal abuse or whether it's the sexual abuse of children. And this has happened and you like, we can't get John MacArthur out of the news. Like he's constantly in it. And I think what bothers me the most about it is just the absolute refusal for this church to just repent. How difficult is it to come forward and say, you know what? Let me humble myself before the Lord and say to you, there's a chance that we mishandled this situation. And we didn't know enough about abuse back in the day. We we believed the wrong person. We didn't treat this woman fairly. In hindsight, we should have done better. better. And I'm asking you for your forgiveness. And I'm I'm just repenting. Hey, we did something wrong. It literally seems to me like it is not even a tiny bit possible for John MacArthur to apologize for anything. And I've thought that for quite some time not just in these situations dealing with abuse, but also in his treatment of uh, like women in ministry and his kind of flippant, dismissive attitude and the things that he said publicly about women in ministry and, and just like doubling down and not apologizing. And it just, it's a complete lack of humility that really, really bothers me. I treasure humility in in people, but especially, I wanted to say in men, but it's not true in people in general, but I think that in people who are in public ministry, especially, and I'm not talking about like a false humility because you can tell the difference. I'm talking about somebody who is able to, to just openly admit that they can make mistakes, that they do make mistakes. And then they're able to confess and say, Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. A mistake was made here. You know? We could have handled this situation better. We should not have excommunicated Eileen Gray. Her husband pulled the wool over our eyes too, and she wasn't dealt with fairly. And we're asking for her forgiveness. Like, how difficult is it to do that? And I always feel like if somebody has that much of an issue with humbling themselves or ever admitting any kind of wrongdoing or just a misstep or a mistake of any kind, if people are unable to do that, it always just makes me question the condition of their heart. Like, where where is your heart at? Because humility is one of the hallmarks, it should be, of being a Christ follower. Like, am I wrong? That should be one of the main things. Like, we should be able to be humble and not walk around in pride and arrogance. And something that I see and feel a lot from the John MacArthur camp is a strong sense of pride and a strong sense of arrogance, allegedly. Do I have to say allegedly there? I'll say it just to cover my bases. But I mean, I'm laughing because I don't know what else to do. And I know that the Theo bros and the people who worship John MacArthur and John MacArthur himself and his elders and whatever do not care like one speck what a podcaster who talks about sexual abuse in the church thinks about them. Like my opinion means absolutely nothing to John MacArthur or his slew of followers. And I'm not here, uh, you know, talking on this podcast because I think that my opinion is somehow super important. It's not that at all. But I think that it's important to cover this story and to talk about this because it is one of the things that is so wrong in the church when it comes to sexual abuse. It's one of the things that has been plaguing the church for decades and decades and decades and probably like hundreds of years, but I'm just talking about more recently, like in my lifetime, this is one of the things that has been plaguing the church. It is this inability to support victims of violence, sexual abuse, victims of any kind. And it's it's kind of this inability to humble yourself as a church 
and see what it is that you might learn from God's word or learn from victims of sexual abuse and learn to be a comfort to victims rather than a person or an organization or an institution that re-victimizes them. And that's what I'm seeing with Grace Community Church. That's what I'm seeing with John MacArthur and this new article in Christianity Today. And it was also covered by the Royce Report this week. But this new article involves a man, Han Cho, who is a lawyer and a former elder at John MacArthur's Grace Community Church. Now, he has come out and spoken out using his voice for good. That's what I think that he's doing. And I I think that that's what he believes he's doing as well. And he has come out with his story of what happened with him being an elder at Grace Community Church when he was asked to look into this decades-old case involving Eileen Gray, the woman who was excommunicated, and you know her husband David Gray was supported and believed over her even after he went to prison. Well, Mr. Cho was apparently the wrong person to look into this story. Actually, if you're a survivor of sexual abuse or if you're Eileen Gray or if you're anyone who believes in caring for the wounded and the abused, he was the perfect person to review this case. But if you're a person allegedly like John MacArthur or Grace Community Church, uh, he was the absolute wrong person to look into this story because when he looked into it, he became convinced beyond a reasonable doubt that Eileen Gray's husband, David Gray, was completely guilty and that Grace Community Church had committed a terrible injustice. And I'm quoting some from the actual article from Christianity Today and also from the Royce Report this past week. So after Han Cho was asked to look into this matter, he looked into it, realized that the church had made a terrible mistake, and he tried to convince GCC's leaders to reconsider and make it right, even if they were to just go to Eileen Gray privately to make it right with her. He says that Pastor John MacArthur told him to forget it. And obviously, he couldn't just forget something. He said, I I now know what I know, and I can't just forget it. And so when he continued to call on the elders of the church to do the right thing, and to do justice on the woman's behalf, he was asked to either walk back on his conclusions that he had come to after reviewing this case or to resign. So those were his choices. You can change what you now believe and what you're speaking out about. Um, You can walk back on all these conclusions that you've come to about how GCC was wrong and we need to make it right with this woman, or you can resign. Those are your two fair choices. Um, And so he left. He resigned It's been 10 months now since he left GCC, and he still can't forget Eileen Gray. He still can't forget what she went through. And unfortunately, even though, you know, he stepped down quietly, he has continued to hear from women from his former church, from GCC, who were also dismissed or even threatened with discipline for trying to get away from their abusive marriages. Women who called 911 when they were in arguments with their husband that became violent and they were scared, told that they needed to go back and submit as unto the Lord to their abusive husbands and just stay in these awful situations. So he kept learning and hearing from more and more people. And the injustice of everything just weighed on his conscience. He became more and more distressed about the churches. I I guess they're counseling around abuse and the way that they deal with trying to counsel people who are married and experiencing difficulties. I mean, I say experiencing difficulties. That's like we're arguing too much or, you know, we're having trouble compromising on certain things or we can't decide how many children we should have. Like those are struggles like that you might think are normal in marriage and you may seek counseling for and that's all fine. What's not a normal marital struggle or what should not be considered normal, especially not in a church, for goodness sake, is 
women needing to seek refuge from their violent, angry husbands, people who are abusing their children. There was another story of a woman who said that her husband was behaving inappropriately toward her daughter and was also searching incest pornography and watching it. Like, those are the kinds of accusations and things that women were coming to the church elders about and leaders about and saying, this is going on and this is why, you know, I, ha- I have to get away. And they were being told and threatened with discipline if they didn't stay and submit to their husbands, allegedly. Okay, these are stories that uh, Mr. Cho, the lawyer and former elder, has heard from women who are part of GCC or who were part of GCC and are basically allegedly being told to stay with their abusive husbands or they're being essentially threatened with being excommunicated from the church the same way that Eileen Gray was. And so when this additional story came out, GCC and John MacArthur are back in the news for mishandling allegations of domestic violence and abuse and sexual abuse as well. Um, There is another case in the church. It's also an older case, but John MacArthur dealt with this directly. And again, I will call on Andy W., a listener of our podcast, if he wants to post in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group he can post some of the cases and some of the details that he has meticulously gathered. And you can look through that, Andy, if you don't mind, I would appreciate it because it's it's really great research and it kind of shows you the things that have been going on at that church and it provides receipts. And I think that that's important because no, nobody's here just like, oh, we want to tear down John MacArthur. We want to tear down Grace Community Church because we think that they're just these awful, horrible people who we just, we want to make sure that they're canceled and that they don't exist anymore, yada, yada, yada. I think that that is the accusation against survivors of sexual abuse. It's the accusation against people like me who care when stuff like this happens and who want to see changes being made and want to see churches doing the right thing. I think we just get accused of like, oh, you find something wrong with every church and you just want to ruin John MacArthur and ruin his reputation all because of one little thing and you weren't there and it's he said, she said. Well, no, there are a lot of receipts, people, and I mean a lot. Like if you read the Royce Report, if you read the Christianity Today articles, there's a lot of investigation that's gone into this And there are receipts. This is not just a he said, she said kind of a deal. But in this other case that I'm referring to, a a man who was on the staff of the church actually confessed to John MacArthur that he had molested his own daughter, allegedly confessed to John MacArthur. And he was allowed to stay on the church staff. She actually reached out to him and we have letters that she sent and we have copies of that she gave to the Royce Report and other places that show she reached out and asked for help and her abuser was allowed to continue on staff at the church. Like it's it's not just one little thing. It's a lot of things that keep adding up and up and up and up. And I think that people are so afraid to admit that John MacArthur and GCC have done something wrong because he is such a face of evangelicalism. He is a giant of the faith in so many people's eyes. And if you start tearing down things that John MacArthur has done, is the gospel going to fall apart? I feel like that's how people are acting. Like if we admit that the great John MacArthur has done something wrong or that the great John MacArthur needs to humble himself and he's not doing it, this like refusal to repent, this refusal to admit that he's done anything wrong, this doubling down on we don't owe you an explanation for anything. And that's really what they're doing. Grace Community Church released a statement this past week, and that's essentially what it says. Like we don't litigate things. Um, I need to find the actual quote because I'm going to say it wrong, but Here it is. Grace Church's elders do not publicly discuss details arising from counseling and discipline cases, especially on social media, nor do we litigate disputes about such matters in online forums. Grace Church deals with accusations personally and privately in accordance with biblical principles. We do not respond to attacks, lies, misrepresentations, and anonymous accusations. Our church's history and congregation are the testimony. Myriads of Grace Church members who have sought counsel at our church will testify that the counsel they receive is biblical, charitable, supportive, and liberating. I find a couple of problems with this, but I I guess the main thing is 
Dealing with accusations personally and privately in accordance with biblical principles sounds really pretty until you realize that one of the biblical principles is to publicly rebuke the person that's wrong. And Eileen Gray was publicly rebuked and excommunicated from this church for her rebellion against God. Like they literally called her trying to save her children from an abusive, violent maniac who ended up being a child molester to top it all off. They called her trying to keep her children safe from this monster, a rebellion against God and a refusal to submit. And they church disciplined her. They excommunicated her from the church for her rebellion against God and saying that she was in sin. That is just flatly wrong. And nobody from GCC will come out and admit that it was flatly wrong. And when Han Cho, the elder at Grace Community Church, looked into it and realized, yeah, we were pretty wrong about this. And this is something we really need to make right, even if it's just privately like going to her, making it right. Like this is something that we did wrong. He has been not only rebuked, but asked to resign. They wanted to get rid of anybody who had a voice to say, hey, we mistreated this woman and we were wrong. It's like, no, we can't hear that we were wrong. Everything we do is right. And we're just going to not publicly discuss any details. Well, unfortunately, the entire world is watching John MacArthur and Grace Community Church and how they deal with this. So you can say that it's biblical to deal with this privately, but that's not the end of the story because you're to publicly rebuke someone who's unrepentant. So where was the public rebuke of David Gray? who abused his wife and his children. I mean, to the grossest degree, he abused them sexually and is now in prison. Like the government realizes that what he did to his wife and children was horrible, but Grace Community Church can't admit to it, or they just can't admit that they were wrong in the way that they treated Eileen Gray and the way that they treated her children and the way that they've treated other women in the church by doing the same thing, pastors telling women that they need to submit to men who are abusing them, which is not a scriptural principle. And this, again, just brings me back to listening to John MacArthur speak, listening to some of the things that he's had to say publicly. You know what? Even if you agree with him theologically on his stance on women in ministry, Even if you think, you know, he's got it right scripturally, the lack of humility and the lack of grace, like his his radio ministry is called grace to you, but he is one of the least gracious people I have ever witnessed when it comes to him dealing with anything publicly that he's been called out on. There's there's no humility. There's no grace in it. It all just seems very arrogant. And it just seems like a refusal to accept responsibility, a refusal to admit wrongdoing. And I guess if you believe that you're God's mouthpiece on earth and that you are just so important to God's kingdom that no one can live without you, maybe it seems like you should never have to apologize for anything. But what doesn't shout, I represent the Lord here on earth, is a complete lack of humility, a complete lack of grace and understanding and compassion for people who have been wounded. And that's just where Like what they're doing is horrible. So I don't want to say that that's the biggest problem here, but I think it's the biggest problem with people who don't want to believe that John MacArthur can do anything wrong because he's such a great teacher or he's such a great writer. You know, I've got the John MacArthur study Bible. So I know that he's a man of God and God has used him abundantly. And, you know, he's touched so many lives. So how dare we ever criticize? Well, It doesn't matter how many lives someone has touched if they're doing something wrong and they are absolutely refusing to admit any wrongdoing. They're absolutely refusing to humble themselves and they're just doubling down over and over and over again that we're not talking about this. We didn't do anything wrong. And here's the thing. If they wanted to handle this privately, all right, more power to you. But the truth is they're not handling it privately either. If this were really a thing of wanting to, like, let's just handle this biblically. We're going to handle this privately. And that's how we believe that God wants us to deal with this. Great. More power to you. But they're not doing that because Eileen Gray has said in the 20 plus years since this happened at Grace Community Church, no one 
from the church staff, the elders, the board, John MacArthur himself, not one of them have come to her and apologized for what happened. Not one of them have come to her and said, hey, we were wrong to excommunicate you. You were trying to protect yourself. Your husband ended up in prison because of the horrible things he was doing to your children. And, you know, we should have been more supportive of you. We apologize. We repent. None of it's happened because Eileen Gray has said that it hasn't happened. So you can want to handle things privately all you want. But if that means that you're just not going to handle things at all, and that we all should just stay out of your business so you can do whatever you want. Uh, that's not the same thing as we're going to deal with this biblically by handling it privately. Because you're not. Because a person who was an elder on the board up until 10 months ago has told us all that you're not handling it. And that when he said you should handle it in a specific way, you literally told him to change his tone or get out. There's a quote that I go back to often in situations like this. It's from Healing the Wounded Heart by Dan Allender. He just talks about evil and he says, evil's primary way of operating is in darkness and secrecy, subtly using its cunning to reach its ultimate goal, ruining the glory of God. He goes on to say, evil will expend no more energy against a person, marriage, family, institution, or community than it needs to achieve its goal. I think first and foremost, we have to remember evil's primary way of operating is in darkness and secrecy. The quieter and more hush-hush you can be about something truly horrific, the happier evil is because that's the way it operates, in darkness and in secrecy. It's subtle. It's not like, you know, I'll, I'll give this example. Sam Smith at the Grammys. I didn't see the performance, but apparently he dressed up in red with devil horns on like the devil. And the Christian community lost their marbles over it. Like they completely just like I saw pastors and pastors wives and different Christians that I follow just talking about the horror of this artist going on stage dressed up like the devil it's almost like no one's ever seen Halloween before because like, yeah, he was wearing a red suit and yes, he had red horns on, but I mean, the guy sings like love ballads. Like I, I, I don't really listen to a lot of his music, but most of it's like very whiny. I lost my woman kind of situation. Like to me, that's Sam Smith. Forgive me if you follow him more closely and you love his music. I'm not, you know, here to critique his musical stylings or anything like that. Uh, he dressed up like the devil. Not sure why he did it. Everybody lost their crap. And I just, I find it so hysterical that that is the thing in the news this past week that Christians are so horrified by. That a mainstream secular artist who has never claimed to have any affiliation with the church went on stage at a secular award show dressed in a red suit with devil horns on. I mean, I don't think he was singing about Satanism or anything like that. Could be wrong because I didn't watch it. But that was the thing that everyone is clutching their pearls over this week. And then I'm sitting over here thinking, okay, well, if Sam Smith went on stage and told everybody that they should worship Satan, um, yeah, that would be bad. You know, if he went on stage and basically said, you know, God stinks and Christianity stinks and you should all go murder your mother-in-law like in her sleep, like that would be bad. But as far as I know, he performed a song as a performer in a costume at a secular award show. And I'm not sure why the kingdom of God needs to be quite as upset about it as they are, especially when you consider the fact that in the same week of news, the same week of news, we have Grace Community Church once again in the news for their refusal, not only their refusal to help those who have been wounded by physical and sexual abuse and domestic violence, not just their refusal to help, but their refusal to even admit that some of the horrible things they've allegedly done that there are many, many receipts for are even mistakes. Like their refusal to, they're just doubling down. Like not only are we not going to apologize to this woman, not only are we not going to publicly talk about this, but we are going to double down 
for like the 600th time and just refuse to be a part of this story. Like, I mean, essentially, they're just showing themselves out of the conversation. And honestly, if you want to know like like tactics, as far as branding tactics and business tactics go, it's not a bad one. Like, hey, we're just not going to talk about this publicly because biblically, and I'm sorry, I'm using that term very loosely because the Bible it pretty explicitly tells you to call people out publicly if they refuse to repent. So everyone who's angry with advocates who won't leave John MacArthur alone need to look into that. We're supposed to publicly rebuke leaders who refuse to repent. And I don't know what is a more obvious refusal to repent than what Grace Community Church is doing. This lawyer, Han Cho, who was asked to basically resign because they didn't want to hear that they treated Eileen Gray, a domestic violence victim, improperly. Um, they had him resign. He followed up with letters. like I think it was like a 20-page letter where he was basically like, please, you need to make this right. I'm, I'm appealing to you to make this right. I'm appealing to you as a brother in Christ. It is not too late to do justice, even now, 20 years later. You know, you can still uphold righteousness. You can still uphold justice and be faithful in the small things. And he basically said this all matters so much. And he pled with John MacArthur and the elders at GCC to do the right thing, even after he left, you know, believing that maybe they'd have a change of heart. And instead, they didn't. Even though they sided with a child abuser who turned out to be a child molester, um, even though they told a mother who was trying to protect her kids that she was wrong and that she was in rebellion for refusing to take him back, what Han Cho said is those things mean that you need to make it right with the person you wronged. He said that is utterly basic Christianity, and he's not wrong. So there was another woman who went to a GCC leader and told them her husband was taking inappropriate pictures of her toddler. Things like her toddler touching her husband's pants zipper, her face being sprayed with water, um, selfies with the child while she was naked. And the elder was like, well, you know, these photos don't contain nudity, so they're fine. Like, it's fine. And you don't have any grounds to leave your husband, essentially. And I'm, I'm ad-libbing here. These are not exact quotes from the article, but I'm just saying essentially that's what happened. And the pastor and elder that she went to actually ended up submitting sworn statements in court on behalf of the husband. This woman came to the pastors for help. They told her after she had called 911 out of fear in an argument that she had on the road with her husband, the elder told her, that she should submit to her husband as unto the Lord and not to provoke him. So essentially blaming her for the domestic violence that she was experiencing. So two elders submitted sworn statements on behalf of the husband, on behalf of the husband. One of these declarations talks about the husband actually admitting during counseling um, that he and his daughter had touched tongues while they kissed. But his excuse was, well, they were just imitating a scene in a cartoon. First of all, I know that pastors and elders don't have like counseling degrees, but I'm pretty sure that you know when a husband and a father is French kissing his own little child and needs to come up with an excuse for it. And that's the excuse. So we were just imitating a scene in a cartoon. I don't care if you don't have a counseling degree. You know, that's wrong. You know, it's wrong. But instead in the declaration is like, well, they were just acting out a cartoon. It was nothing. So they submitted sworn statements on behalf of the husband and someone was actually supposed to testify on the wife's behalf, but the couple ended up reaching like a settlement agreement, I guess, prior to the court date. So nobody ended up needing to testify, but that doesn't change the fact that these elders told her to go back to her husband, who they had every reason to believe was molesting this child. Not only did they not help this woman when she asked them for help, but they tried to help her husband not get in trouble and to support him in court so he could win the case. Like these kinds of things, I just, I don't understand. They make you just shake your head and go, what in the world is wrong with people? But they happen over and over and over again in churches. This story is not rare. It's, I mean, it's interesting that it's all coming out right now about GCC, 
But church leaders speaking up on behalf of abusers is nothing new. It happens all the time. It's been happening for years. It still continues to happen. But instead of focusing on things like that and the church being outraged that someone who claims to speak on behalf of God and and to be shepherding a flock, instead of being outraged that these are the kinds of things that pastors and elders are doing to women and children who are being victimized by violence and sexual abuse, instead of being furious about that and clutching our pearls over that on social media, we're all mad that Sam Smith wore a devil costume to sing a song at the Grammys. Our priorities are so screwed up as Christians. They're just screwed up. I felt sick to my stomach. And, and, you know, I love some of the people who were super upset about Sam Smith and his devil costume. Like some of the people who are posting, like, God love them. I love them. But it just hurts to know that all of these things are happening within the church. All of these things are happening to victims of abuse. The church is turning its back on victims of abuse. One of the church leaders that's probably the most well-known in evangelicalism, John MacArthur, is treating people in his church this way, is failing victims of abuse this way, is supporting abusers this way, and is refusing to repent. And we're mad about a Grammy performance by a non-Christian, and that's what we are bloviating all over social media about. This is just terrible. The devil wants our children. Meanwhile, the church leader whose study Bible you have on your shelf or whose study Bible you use every day and who you think is just the epitome of Christianity is defending child abusers, child molesters, spousal abusers, defending child molesters. Like I can't I can't wrap my brain around it. And yet there's no outrage anywhere about that from, I would say, from the church at large. Yes, advocates are angry. Sexual abuse survivors who speak out are angry. And obviously it's it's not it's not just, oh, you know, victims of sexual abuse. They they would love to have things to be mad about. They love to have things to complain about. They're going to look for anything they can to try and tear down the church because that's what they love to do. It's not what we love to do. But we're literally seeing an elder in this church has practically begged John MacArthur to apologize. And all John MacArthur can say is, well, Eileen Gray exhibited bizarre behavior. So we just need you to walk back your opinions or resign. I mean, basically, that's it. We're mad about Sam Smith in a devil costume, people. Meanwhile, one of the, quote, giants, unquote, of the Christian faith is bullying survivors of abuse and allowing his church leaders and elders to bully survivors of abuse to try and force them to stay in abusive environments and then continually doubling down when people call them out and there's no, where's the outrage? Where's our post Grammys Facebook post about how terrible it is what John MacArthur is doing to abuse victims? Like They're not there because we don't, care about stuff like that. We can't draw attention to stuff like that. I really believe it comes back to people think if you criticize anything within the church, then you're helping people to not go to heaven. Like you're causing people to leave the faith if you say anything about what's happening in the church. Has anyone ever met Paul like of the Bible? That's literally all that he did. That's basically the vast majority of the New Testament. Paul calling out churches for the horrible things they were getting wrong and telling them to repent and make it right. But we think, for whatever reason, in the American church or the Western church, whatever you want to call it, that the only way to be a good Christian is to never, ever call out sin in the church. Well, that's not what the Bible says, though. And that's kind of my response to Grace Community Church's statement about the headlines. They have it on their church website talking about how they don't publicly discuss these details. They don't litigate disputes in online forums. Um, They deal with things personally and privately in accordance with biblical principles. Well, guess what? One of the biblical principles is 
that you are to publicly rebuke elders who persist in sin. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone so that the others may take warning. You can't just cherry pick the verses about dealing with things privately when there are definitely verses about dealing with things publicly, especially if elders continue in sin and refuse to be repentant. And John MacArthur is pridefully refusing to repent. So he should be publicly rebuked, publicly reproved before everyone so that others may take warning. That's in the Bible. But apparently Grace Community Church doesn't think that that portion of scripture applies to them. And most Christians don't think that it applies either. Most Christians think if someone is super wonderful and fantastic and they've written lots of books and Bible commentaries and they have a great radio show where they preach and they're an excellent speaker, that that somehow exempts them from having to follow God's word or from having to follow Christ's example, which is one of of humility. Like we're encouraged to repent You know, if we've done something wrong, we're encouraged to make amends and that's not happening. And we know that it's not because of the multiple witnesses who have repeatedly said, these people have never come to me and apologized. It's just disheartening, you know, and I mean, I guess a takeaway from this whole scandal, if that's what you want to call it, like my takeaway is just, I guess what I gravitated toward when I heard this story is, of course, Grace Community Church, once again, John MacArthur, once again, wrongdoing, once again, and once again, they're doubling down and refusing to be held accountable. They're refusing to admit any wrongdoing. They're just refusing to participate in this conversation and basically saying, like, we don't have to, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I guess it's true that there's nothing we can do about it. And it depressed me. And that's kind of where my mind went with this story. Like, man, these people are literally supposed to be some of the godliest men on earth. And we're supposed to want to follow their example. And this is what we're getting. And it's just depressing. And it just shows you that the church doesn't care about people. But you know what? I don't want to end on that negative note. I think that one thing about this story that is encouraging that I think that we should all take away from this story is Han Cho, the lawyer and elder at Grace Community Church. He was so convicted upon looking into this story. He was so moved by what happened to Eileen Gray. He was so convinced and convicted that GCC handled this wrong, that he stuck his neck out for Eileen Gray to the point where he lost his church. He came to Christ in Grace Community Church. He came to Christ in this church and worked his way up to being an elder. And he sacrificed all of those relationships because he wanted to stand up for what was right. And I think that that's my takeaway from this story Not that, you know, there aren't negative takeaways because there are, but I find myself just, I find myself humbled by these people who will stand up for what's right at a great personal cost because it did. Speaking out has come at a great personal cost for Han Cho and standing up for what's right cost him his church, cost him his position as an elder and cost him friendships. And that's not a small thing, but he was willing to sacrifice all of that. And he's not, there's nothing he's gaining from this. I mean, it's not like there's any financial gain to be had here. It's not like there's any fame or glory. People hate anyone who speaks out about John MacArthur. I mean, by and large, that's what you run into. I mean, there are people who worship him as a god and have him on the highest pedestal and cannot admit that he's done anything wrong. And they look at someone like Han Cho as a betrayer and a horrible person who's, you know, done this awful thing by coming forward. But the way that I look at it, I guess, from a survivor standpoint, is this man was willing to sacrifice for what he felt was right. And he was willing to stand up even though nobody listened to him. I think that that is a super honorable thing. And that gives me hope. It gives me hope that people see these stories, even when they're embroiled, you know, deep within the fabric of Grace Community Church and under the leadership of John MacArthur, drinking the proverbial Kool-Aid 
and their eyes are still able to be opened and they're able to see this is sin and this is wrong and I can't be a part of this. And they're willing to walk away at great personal cost to stand up for victims. And that's what I want to take away from this story. It's not that there's not anything negative to take away, but I think that that's super encouraging that there are people willing to stand up for what's right when it comes at great personal cost to them because they know that we need to be getting down into the ditch with people who are wounded, getting down in there with them, applying balm to their wounds, paying for a hotel for them to stay in while they recover, getting down and dirty at great personal cost to help the least of these. And that to me is what a follower of Christ does. It's not somebody who tries to defend the reputation of a church, no matter how famous. It's not somebody who tries to protect the reputation of a great speaker, no matter who they have to stomp on to do it. It's the people who are willing to get down into the ditch and get dirty with the wounded and be the hands and feet of Jesus. That to me is what being a follower of Christ is about. And to me, Han Cho, the former elder of GCC, embodies a follower of Christ for that reason. So I wanted to leave you on that positive note. Yeah, it's depressing, you know, when we see these supposed giants of the faith just doing things that we just don't, it's like, how could you defend child abusers and try and coerce their wives into staying with them when it's dangerous and horrible and they're going through all kinds of trauma? Like, how can we defend that? Like, that's super depressing, but This story still gives me hope for the reasons that I just outlined to you, that there are still people who see and whose eyes are open, and there are people who know that a secular musician dressing in a red Satan costume that didn't even look scary, by the way, (laughs) getting up on stage is not the thing that is threatening the church. That's not the thing, people. That's not what we should be clutching our pearls over. And I'm glad that there are Christians who get what we actually should be concerned about. So I just, I, if I could stand and give a standing ovation to Han Cho, I would do it. And if you want to look more into the story, I have linked to the Christianity Today article and the Roy's Report article and a few other things in the show notes today. And you can check it out there. Well, thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. And I will catch you here next time. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.